This is Professor August Howard. The following is a continuation of the series of statements from Daphne Howard, also known as the Diviner. This statement was gathered 15 days from the previous recording. From the second entry, she was asked to expound upon the one given previously and give more context into what happened after the incident on the beach. I felt it prudent that the Order had insight into what was the most important to the Diviner, not only for the sake of interpreting prophecy, but in the event that such values needed to be leveraged against her for her cooperation. Later that evening, I found myself following the siblings across town, with stitches in my head and salt water in my clothes. Lydia brought me into the Howard home, and I was immediately made welcome. The Kilgallen family had known the Howards for what seemed like forever, so I immediately felt at home too. They offered me a spare bedroom and made sure I was alright before letting me sleep. At first, it was incredibly difficult to find any rest or solace in my situation. One minute, my parents were there, alive. The next, gone. Father's last-ditch effort to save the company took everything from him, including his life and mother's. He was always looking for one last thing, one more new idea to make the farriers run cheaper, to make them run faster. If only he knew this was the one that would kill him. I didn't have many regrets in my life at that point, but the fact that I was too busy practicing my concerto to even wish them goodbye before they went on that maiden voyage, it's one that will never go away. I sorely wished I had just one last chance to tell them I loved them. In the few days between their fiery deaths, in the meeting with the board of directors, I sat in Father's office, vacantly watching the sky change color through the window, feeling absolutely nothing inside. I sat at Mother's old piano, hoping to feel some of her spirit through the keys, hoping to find a bit of her still lingering there, but the keys were cold and empty. Just thinking about it, dwelling on that mischance, easily sent me spiraling into tears. I was too busy sobbing to sleep. I was sometimes loud enough that Lydia could hear me through the vent between our rooms. She didn't have to, but she would often come in and comfort me, sit next to me on the bed and talk to me about what I felt. She helped me process so much of the grief that I had felt over the loss of my parents, so much of what I learned about resilience and moving on, I learned from her. She truly was wise beyond her years, and I was so thankful to have her in my life. It took a few weeks, but slowly, I had started feeling a little more like myself, more at ease with my predicament. It helped that they never left me alone for long. Taking cues from Lydia, I fell into the normal routine of the house, and quickly learned the things I should and should not do. I offered my hand at various chores and work of the house, oftentimes clumsily assisting Mrs. Howard with some of her tasks, at Lydia's gentle prompting. Apparently, the Howard matriarch was losing a little bit of her memory. I took it upon myself to be the best assistant I could to the woman, despite my own lack of knowledge of most household tasks. 
If anyone would be the person to learn from, it would be her. Idle conversation and washing dishes and preparing food made apparent our mutual love of music. And Mrs. Howard lamented the fact that her hands were too arthritic to play the stiffened keys of the piano in the sitting room anymore. I told her, I know a little bit about piano maintenance. I can make those keys press much easier if you'd like. We spent hours working together, in the spare time between her management of the household and my conservatory classes. Mrs. Howard asked questions about piano maintenance while I unscrewed key blocks, cleaned dirty rail pins, and retrieved about 23 cents from the inside of the instrument. Through this, I built a bit of a bond with the older woman. My time spent with Mr. Howard was much less than with his wife, but just as welcoming. He often asked about my studies and what I planned to do after completing them. He asked why I took the pass I did. He was very supportive of me and my love of music, but told me I could be more than just a pretty face on the keys if I wanted to be. That I could have taken over Kilgallen Fairy Works if I wanted to. That I was just as capable as my brothers. But I knew that wasn't what I wanted out of my life. And he understood. He made it clear to me that I was just as worthy as anyone else. It was refreshing to have someone to reflect with that seemed interested in who I was as a person. Lydia's older brother August had a home of his own, and visited often for meals and other occasions. I noticed even he always found a few moments to chat with me. I caught on quickly after the piano was fixed and I used it for practice in the evenings that August would sit in and listen while organizing his lectures and research notes. While he didn't speak much to me during our respective studies, he was there of his own accord. He wanted to be there. <laughs> Perhaps uh, less so when I riffed on a Quaker hymn one night while Mr. and Mrs. Howard were away at a gala. <coughs> Not a fan, Professor Howard? I just barely caught a glimpse of a smirk on his face. You may as well put Christ on the cross yourself with that, Miss Kelgallon. Well, if anyone could put the same syncopation, it's me, Professor. I gave him a wink and a smile. Uh, don't tell your parents I said that. He chuckled quietly, shook his head. Huh. Hmm. I won't, Miss Kilgallen. Don't worry. Over those intervening months, I finally felt like that void in my heart was slowly being filled. It was wonderful to feel like part of a family again. I found myself quietly studying music theory at the dining room table, across from Lydia who was, of course, nose deep in an anatomical sketch of the hand 
certain structures. It wasn't an uncommon scene in the Howard House after my arrival, but I guess the worried look on my face and the constant tapping of my fingers against the table was new. Daph, give me your hand. This one? No. The other one. Why? I needed to study. And what better way to do that than with the real thing? You have two perfectly fine hands of your own. I smiled as Lydia reached across the table and grabbed my hand anyway. Yes, but you have bony piano hands. She turned my hand over, poking at the raised tendons. Perfect for studying anatomical structures. Just be careful with the merchandise, dear. It's priceless. Okay. She lifted the hand's fingers one by one to see the tendons move. You keep your nails so short. Is that better for piano playing? Yes. Other things as well. I watched that joke sail right over her head. Oh, these are the tendons of the extensor digitorum? She donned her anatomist hat almost immediately as she traced the elastic bands of tissue within my hand. Really prominent on you? They belong to this muscle here. Hmm. But I continued watching Lydia excitedly point out structures of my hand. <gasps> here are the lumbricals. Lydia? And these interossei are really well developed. Wow! Lydia. Hmm? Aren't your parents tired of having me here? It's been months. No. They haven't said anything of the sort. They seem to really enjoy having you here. Mother won't stop talking about how much fun she's had with you at the piano. And Father has said nothing but good things about you. Even August seems to like you, and it's hard for him to appreciate many people. Okay. Why? What brought this up? I stayed silent for a long moment, staring at my hand in Lydia's. It's been nice, being part of a family again. Having a calm, stable life, a routine, people to come home to, people that care about me. It would be nice to stay. The woman across the table gave me a warm smile and squeezed my hand lightly. I'm sure you're more than welcome here, however long you'd like to stay. I can talk to mother and father about it if you want. But if you'd oblige me, I think I have a better idea. You're not thinking of having them adopt me, are you? Hmm? No, I didn't think of that. But I don't think it would work. You might be a bit old to adopt. She thoughtfully clasped her other hand over top of mine. So no, that wasn't my idea. What is your idea, then? You could join our family by marrying my brother. Your brother, the professor? Yes! Your brother, the much older than us, professor? He's not that much older than us. And besides, I think it could work. How? Don't how me. I've heard how you two speak at length about Latin language and old composers and the anthropology of art. You might seem different, but you get along so well. I think you two have more in common than you might think. And what makes you think your brother would be at all interested in me? She leveled her gaze at me. You are a very talented painter and musician. You're sharp, both in intellect and in wit. But I think the best thing about you is that, underneath all the evasiveness, cattiness, and the chilly exterior of yours, you truly are warm, kind, and gentle. You try to see the good in people all the time. You're a person that 
I think, could really connect with him if you gave it a chance. Ah, uh, thank you, Lydia. I... You really think I can get through to Mr. Cold and Aloof? Hopefully. I think this could help you. It gives you a way to be part of our family and a way to start your own. It would make us sisters. My best friend becoming my sister would make both of our lives better, I think. And it would give you and August someone to love. Maybe not in the way storybooks show, but the two of you could love each other for who you are. I think you need that. I think he needs that too. I would hate to move or get married myself one day and leave you both alone. Well, <clears throat> I suppose I wouldn't mind getting to know him better. The younger Howard gasped through a bright smile, lifting my hand in her own. <laughs> I can't wait. Maybe one day you two will be Mr. and Mrs. Oh, stop, Lydia. I reached with that trapped hand to smush at Lydia's face, only earning more laughter from her in the process. <laughs> <laughs> the months after that were fraught with Lydia's crazy schemes. She stopped at nothing to get the two of us interacting more, unbeknownst to me. Staging moments where we would run into each other more often at the Howard house. She nudged him into taking me on dates, and encouraged me to write him letters. The conversations the professor and I had grew longer and more engaging with every passing day. And slowly, I fell for his subtle charm and captivating wit. And a few years later, Lydia got her wish. He proposed to me. And I suppose the rest is history. <laughs>